0: Hello everyone and welcome to Mike Springsteen FFC podcast where we coach you in the Word. We're glad to have you from wherever you're downloading. Uh, We always enjoy seeing your state pop up from wherever you are and we want to welcome in the great country of Germany. We saw that there was a download there and I believe it was in the city of Hessen and uh, so we are very blessed to have you Uh, joining us and studying the Word of God along with us. We want to remind you that you can contact us at springston56 at gmail.com, mikespringstonministries.com, ffcma.org, or through Family Fellowship Chapel's direct messaging. We would love to hear from you with your comments or your encouragement or your questions. And we would also love to uh, work with you in some way. If there was a meeting, a teaching, a seminar, or whatever we could be a part of, please feel free to contact us. We would love to work that out. Well, today we're going to go back and do a message that was requested because uh, one of our followers in the state of West Virginia was not able to locate this. And so uh, we are concerned that possibly it... Um, It uh, got um, um, misplaced or maybe didn't get published correctly because we've had uh, some issues with our publishing process here, and um, so I want to redo this. It's on the way out of mental health issues, and it's at least a two-part series, Uh, but uh, uh, I'm going to redo part one just to ensure that it got published. So let's look into it. The way out of mental health issues. We live in a world where mental health is, as we can know, a major issue. The things that are said to be happening from an unstable or unstable mind is quite frightening. Mental health problems are given when uh, they are said to have happened when mass murders occur or violence of any kind. Things such as domestic violence or road rage or even bullying. Then there is the marriage and divorce issue that surely is creating mental health issues. This comes along with the lust and the pride issue that causes us great anguish. They're mental health related as we know. The gender identity issue comes under the mental health umbrella. The immigration problem, well that all stems uh, from the mental health of those who say they're coming and They weigh upon those who are receiving them. I'm sure we could go on with other hot-button items, but suffice it to say, the mental health issues of our day are plentiful. Now we come into the mental health issues that are indigenous to the Christian. There's a long history of mental struggles in relation to light and darkness. It can be seen clearly that Satan attacked Eve's thoughts concerning what she had heard God say with respect to the tree. It's also abundantly clear that Adam looked at the thing that he referred to as the bone of his bone and the flesh of his flesh, and from a mental health perspective, he couldn't fathom that this one whom he had engrafted in the bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh would feed him a curse and think that she was doing him good. Then we see the mental health struggles of those biblically, such as Saul, David, Peter, Ananias and Sapphira, and others in Scripture. Is it any wonder to any of us when we read the scripture and hear Paul, James, and Peter declare their statements concerning how we must handle the devil? Paul said in Ephesians four twenty seven, neither give place to the devil. In James four. Seven and eight, James said, "Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he'll draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded." First Peter five eight and nine: Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. Then there is the mental health issues that are caused by our propensity to sin. Have we never understood that the Christian is being attacked through his own mind? Paul said that we're tempted by common things in 1 Corinthians 10 16. They have no temptation taken you but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able but will, with the temptation, also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. So our minds are constantly under attack. Of that, there can be absolutely no doubt. But some seem to handle the mental barrage better than others. Some seem to handle it differently based on what the trigger issues may be. Then there are those who seem normal, and all of a sudden they just seem to explode. Whatever the case, at the core of the issue that man in general has is the maintaining of health in their thought life. Now, we live in a world that is producing triggers of all kinds that cause mental instability. The media of all sorts is producing messaging that triggers mental instability. The number one trigger, of course, is fear. We saw that in the COVID pandemic. We're seeing that again with respect to the political environment that involves the 2024 presidential election. Fear is a huge mental health problem. Now they tell us that they want to help us overcome our mental instability. Government speaking. For instance, the mayor of Chicago ran on an agenda where he intended to put large sums of money into whatever it takes to help settle the mental health problems of those who live under his jurisdiction, because in his opinion, the mental health issue is the reason for the crime wave and the violence in his community. The federal government provides a lot of lip service to this platform as well. In both of these cases, the messaging is clear. They say, more or less, we know you're sick and you're thinking. And we identify with that, so you should feel comfortable with being mentally unstable. We're here to provide you help because we agree that you are not well. Now, at the same time, We agree with you, the government says, that you are not well. We will fuel you with information that will exacerbate your mental instability. There is the messaging of impending doom if we don't get back in office. The messaging of you don't vote them out, then we're going to lose our country. The messaging if we don't accept, include, and make things equitable, then, you're bigger than and a homophobe. The messaging is that if you accept that you are living in Sodom and Gomorrah, then the wrath of God is upon those who do these things. Then there is the messaging of the immigrants. They're welcome regardless from where they come, or the messaging that the immigrants are military-aged and coming from countries to overthrow the American way of life. Now, we could go on and on and on with these mixed messaging of our day that produces plenty of mental issues, plenty of fear, plenty of distrust in the minds of too many people. But you hear the messages, and they're very clear to you as well. Now, why do some people hear these messages, and it strikes fear and doubt into their minds to the extent that their wellness comes into question? The answer is, they do not have a built-in means to handle the stress of this type of messaging. Then, of course, there is the sin messaging that attacks the mind of men, the idea of thoughts concerning sin, the thoughts concerning the satisfaction of sin, the comparison of my life to the life of a sinner, the constant wrestling with visions and ideas and thoughts of some sort of sin. Well, this is a weight that seems to dangle around the necks of many Christians. Then the weight of the actual sin and the sin that they often enjoy having interacted with that forbidden area. This most always results in one of two outcomes. The first is that the sin engulfs the individual And they become addicted to sin, such things as drug, alcohol, sexual sin, perversion, and others that become a new way of life. They enter in through their mind, and their mind was engaged and engulfed by the orientation and the interaction. Is there a way back? Of course there is. But the likelihood is that they will not encounter the way back and die before their time. The second is the path of guilt. The individual lives in the clutches of guilt and those who were harmed by their behavior enhance their guilt by holding their sin against them. Now this is a real mental hurdle for the one who wandered and did wrong because they find no relief in the natural. Because they don't understand how to process the sin, they find very little relief in the spiritual. Now, this is not because there is no relief in the spiritual, but the common-day teaching of relief does not open the door for us to understand how to appropriate the acts of Jesus to our lives when we sin, how to apply them to our lives when we sin, beyond our initial orientation to the cross. Our modern-day teaching tells us that God loves us. That's nice, but when our husband or wife turns on us, doesn't show us love, affection, and understanding, and their reasoning is because the partner has not been faithful, lived in infidelity. The love of God at that moment has very little consequence. Well, our modern-day teaching tells us grace has forgiven us And in God's eyes, we are saved and secure. Again, my friends, that does us little good when we're caught in the middle of an addictive behavior. So love and grace, as we are purporting them, is not the answer to the mental health issues that are present in our day. When the mental health messaging is being done around the clock from so many different stimuli, The one hearing the messaging and feeling the messaging is caught in a conundrum that obscures love and grace as a message of relief. So, what then is the message that matters? Well, let's look first at Paul's conversation with the Lord concerning his thorn in the flesh. Here we may begin to see some answers. 2 Corinthians twelve eight through 10, For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities, and reproaches, and necessities, and persecutions, and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong." The thing that causes the anguish to Paul in his mind and in his body may have been a man named Alexander the coppersmith. His actions are recorded in 2 Timothy 4.14. This man, according to Paul, did much evil towards him, and he warns Timothy to be aware of him because he greatly withstood his words. That means he rose up against Paul and refuted his words and his works and his ministry. He planted in the mind of many that Paul's message was a lie. The name Alexander is mentioned by Paul in a number of different places. He is the one who seemed to come into the church, but had followed his own devices and lived accordingly. He lived towards the flesh. So, he became a source of opposition to Paul and his ministry. He opposed the very message of Paul and could have been an influencer of the Roman opposition to Paul's message. Whatever the conditions were, Paul saw it as a messenger of evil, and someone that ministers should be aware of. Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. The Lord reward him according to his works, of whom be thou aware also, for he hath greatly withstood our words. At my first answer no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. I pray, God, that it may not be laid to their charge, notwithstanding the Lord stood with me and strengthened me, that by me the preaching might be fully known, and that all the Gentiles might hear as I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. And the Lord shall deliver me from every evil, evil work, and will preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom, to whom be glory for ever and ever, amen. So Paul had prayed that the Lord that the thorn in the flesh be removed, but the Lord said to Paul, my grace is sufficient. For where you are weak, I am strong. So did the Lord say for Paul that because of grace, you just deal with it? Did the Lord say, when you need me, I will avail myself? Did he say, when you get to the end of your argument, I'll step in? Did the Lord say, just don't worry about it? Grace, my grace, will be enough. Did he say that even though it seems horrible to you and you struggle with it, terribly, my grace will allow you to get through it. You just deal with it and use grace to do so. So if we see the answers to that through the perspective of grace, what are we seeing? God's favor. Paul to put up with the evil and the hurt and to live with the torment and the struggle. Is that what favor is? It has no legitimate answers to legitimate questions. Is that how love works? The answer is that this is not the answer that Paul uh, that Paul received from the Lord. Paul found out what grace was and how grace was to operate. And you would say, prove that to me. Before I do, I would like to say to all of my grace brethren, that the message that's been taught through the modern theology concerning grace has served to restore bondage, captivity to the believer. Your idea of inclusion that was fostered by your teaching of grace has simply placed your flock in captivity. Often this captivity rears its head in mental health issues. When it does, they have no means, no tools to get themselves back on track. Why, you say? Because you told them of a God of love, but the world they live in does not express that love. You told them of a God of grace, but that grace does not solve the mental harm that comes from the spirit world or the natural world. You told them that grace secured them, but the opposition says that their sin and sinful thoughts damned them. You told them grace was the thing that would keep them, but their adversary, the devil, is roaring in their mind, their thoughts and their ideas, and they seem to condemn them. What must they do? As grace seems to carry no power to thwart and resist the attacks upon their mind, that's producing a mental health problem. They struggle with the idea of, are they even really saved if I am saved, why is this mental struggle with sin? If grace is my answer, then why am I constantly under the attack of, by the same things? Well, the answer is that Paul found out what the answers concerning grace reveal. First, grace comes from the baseline. The baseline of the Christian life is the blood. The baseline of the Christian life is the blood. Now, I've asked many Christians, and I've said, what is the baseline for the Christian life? And they all say grace. They all refer me to Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8. As their go-to scripture, however, my friends, that's not true. Grace is not the baseline from which the Christian life operates. And I've already told you what is. It's the blood. Here is the reason that people struggle with the Christian message of our day. They view grace as the point of entry, and it is not. The blood is the point of entry. When Jesus said it is finished, he was not referring to his work, completed work. He was referring to the work of the shedding of blood, that part of the work. Now, this death on the cross was important because when he died, He expelled the blood of Emmanuel as God with us into the earth. It is this blood that cries out from the ground. When the blood trail began in the garden and went even deeper in Praetorium where Jesus was whipped and where the crown of thorns was placed upon his head and proceeded up the Via Della Rosa to Calvary, each drop was of express significance. When he had bled down the tree and into the earth, the pools of blood that were shed for the sin of mankind created a cataclysmic event. And that cataclysmic event occurred in the earth. The rocks cried out. The dead were raised. The tombs were opened. Dead men were seen walking in Jerusalem and the veil in the temple was rent from top to bottom. All of these events were earth's responses to the shedding of blood from a most perfect sacrifice the blood is the most powerful force the world has ever known it destroys kingdoms it brings down kings and destroys the kings of darkness it buckles the sin in man and plunders the sin nature it is the source of divine intervention that changes then transforms an individual into the center daughter of God how does it work it cleanses, purges, and refines. This is a message that grace, as it is taught, cannot understand. Grace that is, as it is taught as a securing operation, or grace that is taught as a convention of remaining saved, regardless of your lifestyle, is a convention that defies the blood. Actually, Hebrews 10.29 exposes this message to us. Of how much sore punishment suppose ye shall he be thought worthy who hath trodden under underfoot, the Son of God, hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified, an unholy thing, and hath done despite unto the Spirit of grace. Please allow me to show you this analogy to specify how the blood is the baseline and to define how both grace and faith come into view once the blood is revealed you were to tell me that your hands were dry and you needed lotion because they were going to crack and get sore unless you do something about them to condition them, well, I would then hand you a tube of hand lotion and say to you, here you are, now in your possession, The hand lotion is still in the tube. We can encircle the tube with our hands, but if we leave what's in the tube in the tube, in the tube, then we will have no relief and no conditioning. But, in the tube it is of no use. So there must be a means provided to release what's on the inside when pressure is placed upon the tube, the force of that pressure causes the contents to be pushed out of the opening that's been prepared. Then coming out of the end of the tube, the lotion is applied to the specific area that's desired. The application in itself places the lotion upon the required specific area, but there is still another force that must be appropriated for the application to be spread around. It would be moved around in and on the hands to ensure that the application is shared to all the affected area. So what have I just described? I've described the blood as the part that holds the thing that is required to be placed against the problem. As the blood is revealed, the thing that must be applied is brought forwards. Let's say that you need to be saved. The blood for this purpose is revealed. As it is revealed from the blood, comes grace. Grace is applied to the inner man. Now there must be a means to appropriate what the blood has revealed, what has been applied to your mind and your spirit. Faith is the gift. God has given man to be able to appropriate the work of the blood and the application of grace. By this appropriation, man finds forgiveness and healing for his mind and his spirit. This is how blood serves as the baseline to reveal the application of the gifts of grace. When done, the individual believes by appropriating his gift of faith. The outcome is an accomplished action of Jesus and a replicated work by the Holy Spirit. The blood, being the most powerful force in the universe, serves to be used by the Holy Spirit to convict the individual that they need Jesus Christ to forgive them of their sin. When convinced of his work, grace is applied and faith is appropriated. This is the force of the blood and the process by which it operates. Now when one is saved, using this process, the blood, grace, and faith faith bring the individual into a changed spirit and mind. The change is dramatic because they're brought into light on the spiritual front for the first time. Paul says that they are translated out of darkness and into the kingdom of his dear son. What a change, what a mental change, what a spiritual change. But the work of these three dynamic ingredients designed by the Godhead is far from done. We will utilize this same process to reveal each of the other five parts of the acts of Jesus. We'll use this process to die to the flesh, to be delivered from the sin nature, and to become working and worshiping priests who can understand how to correctly use the body and the blood of Jesus Christ, our high priest, in our moment-by-moment lives. This, is a, this, of course, does not conclude in the tabernacle as we operate there as worshiping priests. We use the same process to enter into his lordship as the lesser member of the new covenant that has been developed by the blood of Jesus Christ, we use this same means to operate in his lordship dominion, whereby we gain dominion by using his name. Now, in this new covenant agreement, he mediates the covenant on our behalf. He is in total dominion over that new covenant. Then we become complete in his position as the man in the Godhead. From here He intercedes and communicates directly with us through the Holy Spirit. My friends, this is absolute great news. He's made a process that can bring us into the complete revelation of what it means to be in Him. This is a dynamic revelation that must be understood for us to come into the freedom that God intended for you to have in Christ Jesus. The reason that you are unsettled and maybe feel unworthy and probably unstable is because you've never been properly taught this information. Now that you know, you can access each and every position that Jesus Christ, our high priest, our Lord and our man in the Godhead has completed and walked and you can become an absolutely unstoppable force. How are you going to do it? Because you know how to use the process. Not only overcoming but to be able to overthrow the devil. Think about that. Your mental stability can be accessed through the blood. If you come through the blood, grace will open the door by applying itself to every unworthy, unsettled, undefined, unstable peace and part of your mind and when the blood is applied uh, uh, when the blood is uh, uh, is revealing grace and activating grace grace will go into your mind and grace will go directly to the specific areas and grace will be your means of relief Grace will be your main means of revelation. Grace will be your means of being able to live this life in peace in your mind. And then all you have to do is put your faith on it. And say, I believe that. I believe what grace is doing in me. I believe the blood is the most powerful force the world has ever known. And I apply that blood. I, I, I allow that blood to trigger in me grace. I allow that blood to bring grace into my mind. To center my mind. So that I will no longer give place to the devil. So that I will no longer hear the lion. That rules in the darkness. But I will hear the lamb of God and his blood. And I will be free by my testimony. To overcome everything the world has placed before me. Yeah my friend it comes by blood Your mental health is as close As you're walking through the blood With Jesus Christ And as you do Grace will be released to heal you Grace will be released to forgive you Grace will be released to kill your old flesh man Grace will be released To solve your sin nature Grace will be released for you to come into worship. Grace will be released for you to be able to use the new dominion in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Grace will be released for you to be able to hear Him day by day. Now the last question I want to deal with today is, what happens whenever my surrounding world just won't seem to forgive me? I want to tell you good news today. You can plead the blood over it. And God will produce grace. God will make a man who is mistreating a woman because of infidelity or a woman who is mistreating a man because of infidelity or a child who is mistreating a mother and a father because of rebellion or whatever your circumstance may be. When the most Powerful force in the universe is applied the blood. Grace, when the blood triggers grace, and you begin to apply Jesus Christ Himself in grace to your situation, pleading the blood and applying grace by your faith, God. Because of the blood. Will I see the blood? God, because of the blood, is going to move on your situation. Whoever it is, and whatever it is, you come through the blood yourself, apply grace, forgive yourself, do the things that need to be done in your life. Grace will open Be the application that will condition you until you can become a giant in your spirit life. Faith will appropriate from you every ounce of what is required to bring grace to be a healer, a preserver, a deliverer, a safety, a place of safety, a place that will make you sound and whole. And then, whatever is in opposition from the natural world, you begin to plead the blood. Ask God to apply grace to it and to them. And then you take your faith and begin to use it. And what you will see is your mountain will become a plain in the spirit and in the natural. Father, I pray that you'll bless your word, that you'll minister to those that need to hear this today, that you will lift them and bring them to truth concerning the application of how to take in the spirit world the blood, grace, and faith and work it until it comes out in the natural world for their benefit and the benefit of those that are in opposition to them. I ask it all in the lovely name of Jesus Christ, who is our high priest, our Lord, and our man in the Godhead. May God richly bless you until we speak again.